So I'll start today with the great theologian Calvin and Hobbes. So we'll go ahead and and read. uh, uh, I left it in my office. I'm going to have to come out in front of the slides. First slide. So you want some water, huh? Well, I've got a big can of it here. It's up to me to decide if you get water or not. I control your fate. Your very lives are in my hands. Without me, you're as good as dead. Without me, you don't... (laughs) So in a world where we think we control everything, the older I get, the more I realize just how little we control. And as we continue learning to pray through the Lord's Prayer, everything about this section This line of the Lord's Prayer that we're going to focus on today, everything about this part of the Lord's Prayer assaults that very thing. Our sense of control and our sense of independence. Those are two things that we as human beings cling to deeply. That we're in control and that we can just do (laughs) things our way on our terms. So open your Bibles, if you have one, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus teaching his disciples to pray. He said, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 11, next line. Give us this day our daily bread. So there's, there's the line today. Give us this day our daily bread. So in many ways, we're approaching the pivot point of the Lord's Prayer. Again, these words that we pray every week. We've chosen these words to be something that we want to work deep into our bones as a church. And if you've been with us the last month or so, we've been taking this line by line. And the opening lines focus on God, because prayer begins there with God. Jesus starts reorienting us in our prayers to this idea of God's character, God's kingdom, God's will refocusing us back to where prayer begins with God. But here's the pivot point. So as Jesus keeps teaching us to pray, teaching his disciples to pray, our Father, talking about his will, talking about his kingdom being done on earth as it is in heaven, here's the pivot point. He moves on, shifting from the centrality of God's glory to now our good, moving from praise of God to petition and requests about us and our lives. So again, as I've already said, there's something in this particular line of the Lord's Prayer that assaults our sense of control and independence. Give us this day our daily bread. It's in those four little words that I want to focus today. Give us daily and bread. 
Let's unpack those, what I think are revolutionary words. So first, let's talk about give us. Give us this day our daily bread. This part of the prayer begins with an ask. And as some others have noted, to pray give us is different than praying gimme. Gimme, 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 like a little kid, like a selfish brat. Gimme, gimme. This is not a gimme, gimme prayer, but it is a give us prayer. And this is huge. In prayer, Jesus teaches us to ask. Jesus teaches us that he wants us to ask. And I realize, maybe you've been with us since the very beginning, the intro to this. We looked at this prayer in context, and that may sound weird because it's something that Jesus already said. So this is verse 11. This is Matthew 6, 11, when he says, he teaches us, give us this day our daily bread. But you go back just a few lines, three verses back to verse 8, Matthew 6, verse 8. Back then, Jesus is teaching them how not to pray. And Jesus says, your father already knows what you need before you ask. So he's again, he's saying, you don't have to use flowery language. You don't have to like information dump to God. You don't have to get his attention. He already sees you. He already knows you. He already knows what you need before you ask. Which again, I realize there's a tension here. Jesus says, hey, the Father already knows your needs before you ask. And then verse 11, but ask for your needs. You're like, why? Why why bother? Why are we doing this asking thing if you already know what I need? It feels pointless. It feels futile. It leaves us scratching our head. Why ask for daily bread? And I think that question, that could be maybe another sermon all unto itself, Uh, but to keep it brief and focused on where I want to go here, I will say this. In addition to the mystery of how the ways of God intersect with the ways of humanity, I believe that, that God wants us to ask, even though he knows what we need, before we ask for two main reasons. Number one, for relationship, and number two, for partnership. First of all, relationship, that in our asking, God wants to draw us closer to himself. That, I know this may be hard for us to comprehend, but God actually enjoys us. And God actually enjoys interacting with us. And maybe if you're a parent, you get this, and grandparents get this. It's a different breed, grandparents. But there's something in the asking. Even if you already know what it is, there's something that brings you together in further relationship. Those in love get this. In the asking, it involves risk. It involves vulnerability. In the asking, it puts both parties in a place of deeper connection. And so I believe that one of the reasons why God invites us to ask for what we need, even when he already knows, is because he wants to hear us say it, and he wants to hear our hearts, and he wants to hear our voice, and he wants to engage with us in a deeper way. 
And then secondly, I think also for partnership, and much could be said about that idea, but cover to cover from the biblical storyline, Old Testament to New Testament, here's what I've learned about God. Even though he is holy and perfect and powerful and mighty, the covenant God of Israel repeatedly chooses to share his power. And he, he has set up the world in a way that he wants to invite others to participate with him. Sometimes I'm like, why would you do that? We make a mess of things when you do that. But God loves partnership with his people. That's why he invited Adam and Eve in the garden to share in his authority. And through Jesus, he invites us to share in his rule and reign. So, back to Jesus and the prayer. We're told to pray. We're told to ask. We're invited to pray, give us this day our daily bread. I love the pastor theologian Charles Spurgeon. He explained it this way. He says, remember, asking is the rule of the kingdom. This is, this is how the kingdom works. And you listen to Jesus' parables and teaching, and he keeps coming back. This is one of the ways in which the kingdom of God works. It's by asking. Jesus consistently teaches, invites, repeats that we were to ask and seek and knock, to pray. If you may have everything by asking and nothing without asking, I beg you to see how absolutely vital prayer is, and I beseech you to abound in it. This is the rule of the kingdom. This is how it operates and how it works. And, and in that little process, again, not a gimme prayer, but a give us prayer, it reminds us this. It reminds us that we have to. It's a humble request. And by praying a prayer of give us daily bread, we are reminded yet again that we're not in charge. We're reminded yet again that we're not the source we're reminded yet again that we're dependent people. We're reminded yet again that we're not ultimate or the center of the universe. We are wonderful, beautiful, yet small. And so to even have to pray, give us, is a posture and a prayer of humble recognition and dependence on him. I'm not the one who can provide for all my needs. I need something, someone outside of myself. I have to ask. It's good for me to remember that I have to ask, that I'm not in ultimate control, and that I'm not an independent person. But this isn't just an ordinary prayer for ordinary bread. Jesus says, pray this, give us our daily bread. Give us our daily bread. Well, what does that mean? You're like, daily bread, weekly bread, monthly bread, gluten-free bread, who cares? What's the difference? I think this is one of the most important parts of this line of the prayer. Because Jesus is teaching us about living aware of our daily need, calling us not just to live in bulk, so here's one of the most American things about our culture is our scale of abundance. 
And I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of walking through our grocery stores with people who have never been to American grocery stores before. And there's aisle after aisle after aisle of brand after brand after brand of size and portions that are crazy. Again, not bad, but packages of massive proportions. A few years ago, I heard a pastor named Rich Velotis. He commented on this. It's stuck with me ever since. I love this analogy. He says, Jesus tells us to pray for daily bread, but we would prefer to have a Costco relationship with God. We'd rather have our stuff in bulk so as not to come back to God so often. But we can't live without daily dependence. I'm like, oh, that'll preach. We want a Costco relationship with God. You know what I'm talking about? We want God to give us everything in massive quantities. We want 72 dozen eggs, pancake syrup for five years, and pallets and crates of toilet paper. Why? Oh, it's cheaper. Yeah, yes, it's cheaper. That's part of it. But we want them in those quantities because we don't want to have to go through the hassle of going back to the store again. The more we live in bulk, the less hassle it is. And the less hassle it is, the less we have to think about any sort of dependent need. I believe Jesus is teaching us to pray here to understand that daily bread is actually better than bread in bulk. Maybe you're not convinced. Pastor Tyler Statton says, the daily bread variety of prayers is also a battle cry, a declaration of war against one of the soul's fiercest enemies, control. Daily as we ask, he weans us off our addiction to independence. I think we're honest like really honest, we need to admit that we would rather do life on our own self-sufficient terms. And that goes back to the garden. Now, just to be clear, I'm going to save myself a few emails and texts this week. I'm not saying you have to cancel your Costco membership. I have one. I shop there too. I'm not saying that buying in the bulk bins at Winco is bad. I'm not saying that having a pantry or a storage in your house is bad. But you do have to ask the questions of what's underneath those things. And I'm, I'm, I'm confident this, of this, that Jesus is tipping his hat when he prays this prayer. He's tipping his hat to an Old Testament story. He's tipping his hat to Exodus chapter 16. I just want to refresh you if you haven't heard that story in a while. Exodus 16, I won't read the whole thing to you, but here's what's happening in Exodus 16. After rescuing his people from bondage and slavery in Egypt, the Israelites wandered through the wilderness, didn't they? Tired, hungry, grumbling, complaining. They wanted to go back to Egypt. And God in his mercy and grace, what did he do? He fed them. Not only did he lead them, right? Pillar of cloud by day, fire at night, but he fed them. Each and every day, the people of Israel would wake up 
And they go out of their tents and they would find the ground covered with these little wafers. And they named it, what is it? That's what manna means. It means what is it? So they woke up and found the ground covered in what is it? It's manna. And they collected it throughout their journey. So that literally throughout their wilderness wandering, coming out of their deliverance from slavery, in their invitation to go to the promised land, God fed his people each and every day, daily keeping them alive in the midst of a really harsh wilderness. But if there was a catch to the story, there was a catch to the process. If you go back and read it in Exodus 16, here's how God operated with the manna. Every day he gave them what they needed. And each person was to go and to collect an omer, which is about three pounds for the day. And God specifically told them not to go hog wild and gather up a ton of it and keep it. He would give them a double portion for the Sabbath day. They wouldn't have to gather on the Sabbath day. But he said, don't get extra or it's not going to go well. And sure enough, this is Exodus 16, 19. Exodus 16, 19, Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they didn't listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. I told you not to do that. That's my interpretation. Verse 21, morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. Morning by morning, they gathered it. Like, what is, that's a weird story. God, why do that? Why cover the ground and what is it? Why not drop a, a day's worth or a week's worth or a month's worth? Why not build a little Costco, Winco, Home Depot they could pick up and have enough for the entire journey? Why not bulk bins for the month? Here's why. Because God wanted to give them daily bread. He wanted them to have a tangible, active reminder, morning by morning, who provides for you. He wanted them to have a daily, active reminder that he still sees them, a daily, active reminder that he cares about them, a daily, active reminder that his grace is sufficient to meet their needs for the day. So I think Jesus is picking up this language. Hey, when you pray, pray, give us this day our daily bread. All right, Father, give me what I need for today. Tomorrow, we can deal with tomorrow. Next month, we can deal with next month. Next year, with next year. But daily bread brings us back to a humble interaction with the God who provides for us today. Daily bread brings us back to the daily baker. It's a reminder to live with God in the present tense. That God actually would love to interact with you each day about your needs. And then, yeah, finally, this is a prayer about bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Why bread? Again, I'm sure people have written dissertations on all of this. Uh, but I think that one thing that's just really easy and obvious is that in every culture, in every age, in most countries around the world, 
throughout history, people have eaten some form of bread. It's basic. It's simple. Most people can get the stuff needed to make bread and have bread. Rich people, poor people, high society, low society, some sort of flour, water, leavening agent, a few more things, and you can have, you can have bread. So the idea of a daily bread brings us back to simple, honest, earthy, basic human need. Give us, give us our daily bread. Needs, not wants. Like this is not prosperity gospel prayer, name it and claim it. Like it's a reason it's not give us this day our daily Lamborghini, give us this day our daily Gucci. Let's give us this day our daily bread. And there's some basic needs we're asking you to provide. And yeah, there are, I'm sure are and can be big, major, dramatic, level 10, big picture prayer requests. And we're called to pray for those too. But this is just the daily bread stuff that God says, I actually want to engage you on that too. Daily bread. And might I quickly add, too, that the language here of the Lord's Prayer, I mentioned this earlier, it's our, it's plural. This is not just give me this day my daily bread, but it's give us this day our daily bread. There, there's, a, there's a collectiveness to this. There's a corporateness to this. This is not just about my daily bread, but our daily bread. Martin Luther, the reformer, um, pushes this a next step further to its logical conclusion, he says, for when you mention and pray for daily bread, you pray for everything that is necessary in order to have and enjoy daily bread. And on the other hand, against everything which interferes with it. Therefore, you must open wide and extend your thoughts, not only to the oven or the flour bin, but to the distant field and the entire land, which bears and brings to us daily bread and every sort of sustenance. For if God did not cause it to grow and bless and preserve it in the field, we could never take bread from the oven or have any to set upon the table. So he's like... A prayer for daily bread is not just like mm, bread, but it extends to what the bread is made out of and where that comes from. And it begins to move your mind toward the other parts of the system that creates daily bread. He goes even further. He says the local governments get included in this prayer too. He says, therefore, it would be very proper to place in the coat of arms of every pious prince a loaf of bread instead of a lion or a wreath of rue, or to stamp it upon the coin to remind both them and their subjects that by their office we have protection and peace, and that without them we could not eat and retain our daily bread. So it's like even as we say give us our daily bread, it extends to all the things that are necessary and to be in place for everyone to be able to have food, basics, daily bread. So again, this is not some sort of just naming and claim it where God's like a genie in a lamp and God is forced to give you everything that you desire, blank check kind of praying, but a prayer that focuses on the common needs we have to live and a God who delights in meeting them. Give us this day our daily bread. It brings us into humility, independence, 
It requires us to keep going back and not just saying, I'll check with you next month when my bread runs out. We renounce our self-sufficiency in this prayer and we go back to God over and over again. And I, I think I would be doing like sermon malpractice if I didn't mention this too before I end today. Yes, this is about bread, like real bread, like bread, you eat bread. But a prayer for daily bread goes beyond that too. I can't preach about a prayer for daily bread and talking about physical needs without also mentioning the greater sign in the greater signpost. Because don't you sense also that we need something all in addition to bread. Yes, we need bread. But there's something else. There's a greater bread, a true bread that every human heart needs. Jesus talked about this himself when he, right after he fed thousands of people and gave them like actual bread. And they're like, "Mm, I'm hungry. This tastes good. Let's follow that guy, the bread giver. This is John chapter 6. Verse 32, John 6, 32, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And they're confused and curious. And they're like, there's this bread that I can eat and never get hungry ever, ever again? I want that. Sign me up. And it caused all this confusion and questions and wondering down to verse 47. Jesus, again, he's clarifying, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So he clarifies here, as good and as excellent a request is for daily bread, and I hope we all have daily bread, Jesus says there's this thing. You can get your daily bread. You can eat bread every day of your life and still die. The forefathers in the wilderness ate of the provided manna from heaven, and they still died. There's something else that you need beyond just bread. You need bread. We need bread. But there's something else. You need true bread. And Jesus says, and that's me. I am the bread of life. You can live life on earth and eat the finest bread from the finest bakeries every day of your life and feast on the bakeries of the world in luxury. But as Jesus notes, you will still die. Bread is good. Food is good. But there's another thing that you need to deal with. Every human being on planet earth has a problem called sin. Our own rebellion against God. Our separation from God. And Jesus says, your deepest, truest need is to have something that will allow you to engage God again. 
to deal with the separation of sin. And it's the true bread that comes from heaven. And while your belly is growling, your soul is even hungrier for the true bread. And Jesus says, and that's me. John 6, 58, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. The bread of heaven has come down in Jesus. And he invites all by faith to trust in him. And he uses this eating imagery, which is, I know sometimes like, that's kind of weird. And he, he freaked people out, eat my flesh and drink my blood. They're like, when did we become cannibals? This is really odd. But the idea of eating is this idea of partaking, this idea that the very essence of who God is in Jesus would come and become a part of your life and be taken into your life. That's what he's saying, feed on me, trust in me, invite me to be that central to your existence. So today, in addition to praying, give us today our daily bread, and we pray for all the ways in which that has implications for our lives and dependence and our food and the world. It's also a prayer for us to cry out to God yet again today, I need Jesus. I need the true bread from heaven. Give us today our daily bread that all who Jesus is, his character, his life, his work, his ministry, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, would have bearing and meaning for me today. Give us Jesus. We sang that already today. Give us Jesus. It's a prayer, God, I renounce that I can do this life on my own. God, I renounce that I'm self-sufficient. It's a prayer that says, forgive me for wanting you only on my terms. For only wanting you weekly, monthly, or annually. Let me exchange a Costco relationship with you for daily bread. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you for your invitation to us. God, thank you for what you are inviting us into again even today. Lord, we live very independent lives that appear to be in full control of ourselves. And again, we are grateful for the reminder today that we're not. We're not in control. We're not self-sufficient. We're not independent. We are very, very dependent on you that you are the one who holds this whole thing together by the word of your power. So again, we just want to lay our pride down. We want to lay our control down. We want to lay our selfishness down, our independence down again to you. And we pray, bread of heaven, Jesus, may we experience you today as our daily bread. And may you meet our needs again here now, again today. May you be faithful and true and provide. And I pray, Lord, for those here in the room today, first of all, that may not know you yet. May they sense your invitation by faith to come and trust you, to follow you, to become your disciple. And God, I pray for those that right now may be struggling in, in the bread, in the, in the provision 
feeling lack, having need? Lord, would you meet those needs today? May you hear the cry of your people and like you have done for a long, long time, would you do it again and meet us in our needs? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.